Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to our home church series at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. I'm Pastor Heath, this is Pastor Christian, and uh, we're going to have a little church today uh, in our living room, our dining room, and uh, we want to invite you, if you have a Bible, join us at 2 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to discuss uh, a piece of the story of Hezekiah, and today we're going to talk about putting prayer back in the home. And, but let's pray just for a moment as you get your Bible ready. Father, we pray today in Jesus' name for every person who's watching this and joining in. God, that we will hear from your word to apply it to our life, that you'll speak to them and uh, reveal your son. Be powerful in their life in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. And we're going to have a casual conversation here about doubt, dread, and deliverance in the life story of Hezekiah. So, hey, Pastor Christian, there was a moment, uh, not too long ago, actually, it, every morning for about two weeks, I was woken up at like 5 a.m. by this constant nagging. It was not my wife. <laughs> it, it was this mockingbird outside my window. And no joke, every morning it was there and it was just rant, 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 this annoying sound. And uh, I was told they were protected, that I couldn't kill it. But every day, I, I'm not, I kid you not, I prayed against this bird. And finally, I don't know if it was the Lord, but it left, all right? Uh, and I thought about that because sometimes that's how our problems uh, are. It's like every morning have we ever gotten up in our life and woken to the nagging or the mocking problems, whether it's waking up every day to maybe a life trauma that was, and it's always there in front of my mind, or maybe it was depression, man, these thoughts, these insecurities, these fears, these anxieties. Sometimes always we get up in the morning, they're just there, that problem is there. Uh, even family issues or marital issues, you know, you wake up and there's your issue right there next to you in bed. Uh, or, or even addiction. You know, sometimes every day I, I, we will wake up and that addiction is still there. And so we want to talk uh, today about what do we do when we try our best, uh, but the enemy is still troubling our mind. What do we do? Where do we go? Where do we turn to? Who do you put your trust in? And uh, how that looks as far as putting prayer back in the home. So uh, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. And let me give you the background before we uh, get in here. Hezekiah, uh, the king of Judah, he has, uh, we talked a few, uh, last couple of weeks about it. He's done this awesome religious reform. He's brought prayer back. He's brought worship back, tithing back. But at the same time, uh, man, the enemy attacked. And the enemy has come, uh, uh, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, has come to put his thumb back on the king of uh, Judah, Hezekiah. And now he has destroyed 46 of his fortified towns. So if you could imagine, go back in the ancient time, and we're back in where there's a northern kingdom, Israel, who's been taken away into exile. We've got a southern kingdom, Judah, who has refused to pay tribute to this new empire. And now they have been attacked. 46 cities are destroyed. 200,000 people have been taken away. And this enemy demands tribute from Hezekiah. And he says, you know what, I don't have anything else to do. I don't know what I can do. So he pays them off. He tries to pay them off. Right. Now, all of the money he had in the treasury, even so much that he would take the temple gold, the, the doors that were encased in gold, take the gold off of it. The enemy has robbed him blind. Right. And the enemy lies to him and says, okay, we'll go away. But in fact, they don't. 
and now they've destroyed these 40-something towns, 200,000 people, and now the last town, the last fortified city before Jerusalem has been taken. And that's where we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 18. Now at the last time, the last city's been taken, and the Assyrian commander, his name is Rabshakin, is dispatched to negotiate the surrender of this town. So let's read 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. And I'm reading in the New American Standard today. It says, Then Rabshakin said to them, Now say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? You say, but they are only empty words. I've got counsel and strength for war. Now on whom do you rely that you've rebelled against me? Now you, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, which if a man leans, it'll go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has taken away and now said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now therefore come, make a bargain with me, my master, the king of Assyria, and I'll give you 2,000 horses, and if you are able on your part to set riders on them. So, He's at the last, the man, the last city's gone. They're at his door. They send him a messenger, this, this general guy. And they said, don't tell me you've been trusting in Egypt. Don't, don't even tell me you've been trusting in God. You've destroyed all these other idols and everything. And you've told people the only way you can worship God is to come back and worship him at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And so you don't even know really what you're doing. You've been worshiping all kinds of gods. So why do you think this is going to work now? He says, come compromise, make a bargain with me. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this as we talk about doubt. Our first topic is doubt, is that sometimes the enemy comes into our minds and to our lives, makes us feel surrounded, and he wants us immediately to begin to doubt where God has been, what God has done for us in the past, uh, uh, what he can do for us in the present, and he looks there and he says, on whom do you rely? What confidence is that you have? Don't tell me you trust in the Lord. Make a bargain with me. And, it, and he, he's causing, and just like he does now for believers, he causes insecurity. Maybe, maybe I can't, maybe God can't deliver me. Maybe, maybe this problem is too big, whether it be anxiety or depression or this addiction or this marital issue. Uh, I'm, I don't know if this is even possible. Maybe this whole Christianity thing doesn't even work. And, right. and he says, well, now make a bargain. And he wants you to say, look, if you just surrender to this, maybe you can't get total freedom over your addiction, but you can get partial freedom. Or maybe you can't get total freedom over your depression. Or maybe you can't find total victory or peace in your mind or in your marriage, but you can compromise and have just a little bit of freedom. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't tell you something. You're still going to be a slave. So what do you think about that? Well, I think <clears throat> I think it's the same in a sense, you know. The enemy's going to do anything he can to make us doubt. And, it, and right. it's almost like, you know, when we think we're getting somewhere, yeah. that's when the doubt comes. Yeah. 
The doubt comes whenever we think, oh man, I, I'm, I'm starting to get control over this issue or whether that's in my marriage or my finances, you know, my marriage is going good. We haven't argued in a few weeks or <coughs> fought or this or that or the other. So we're good. We don't, we don't really need to go to counseling because everything's good or, right. you know, finances are looking okay right now and, <coughs> and we got a little bit saved up. So maybe I can take a little bit of that out of my savings to go enjoy myself because I've, I've been doing good, right? right? And so in the same sense, the enemy when we think we're getting somewhere, places that seed of doubt with inside of us to say, maybe this, maybe this really isn't as good as I thought it was, yeah. you know, whether in regards to my marriage or, or whether God can deliver me from that thing that, that I've been dealing with or that has been, that I've been dealt with for so long. Right. And so, you know, when those doubts and those insecurities, you know, doubt leads to insecurity. Yeah. And then whenever we, when that doubt becomes insecurity, we think, well, maybe, maybe God's really not as big as I thought He was. Maybe yeah. He can't deliver me from this, and and you know, it's I I feel doubt or guilt and shame and this or that or the other when I'm when I'm when I'm trying to do better. Right. So why even try? And you know, I was thinking that uh, sometimes we we have that doubt and that insecurity, and then we start leaning all of our security on that thing. So, for instance, let's say. We get so used to our problem that we begin to lean on it more than on God. So for instance, maybe my issue is anxiety or fear or depression. Mm -hmm. or, or when I was younger, it was negativity. And I only knew how to be sarcastic and negative. And the devil wants to lie to us, or the enemy wants to lie to us and say, look, you know, you're not going to get total freedom in God. You're not going to get total deliverance in God. If you'll just surrender to me, you can get kind of freedom mm -hmm. and you'll still be my slave. Don't worry about that part, though. But we begin to lean on like this is the only way I know how to live. I'm secure. Maybe it's a bad relationship. We become insecure in our relationship with God and we find all of our security in a relationship we're not supposed to be in in the first place. Right. Or we get so secure in those depressive thoughts or those anger issues. We find that this is my identity now. Mm -hmm. And we're not ready to let that go because we really, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really trust that God provides complete deliverance from the enemy. And so uh, the thought we want to leave you there with and summing that part up is that do we doubt or do we depend on what Jesus can do? Do we doubt or do we depend on what Jesus can do? Because the enemy wants you to doubt what the Lord can really do in your life and make a bargain that you will compromise, but what he doesn't tell you is that you'll still be a slave. Now let's talk about uh, dread. Let's look at the next passage here. If you go on, turn uh, to that same 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 28. And uh, let's go there. It says, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judean, saying, Hear the word of the great king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me, and come out to me. And eat each of you with his vine and his fig tree and drink of the waters of your own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine and a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive and trees and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. 
Has any of the gods of the nations delivered this land from the hand of the king of Assyria? So Hezekiah's officers met this commander at the wall and they say, hey, talk to us in, in uh, Aramaic, our, our official language. Don't talk to us in the common language, the Judean language, Hebrew. And he says, no. And he begins to shout at the top of his voice uh, that, hey, don't trust in Hezekiah. He's leading you astray. Don't even think the Lord can deliver you. And immediately dread goes across the whole camp. And they begin to uh, break away from their king. And so this unity comes, dread comes. So doubt has led to insecurity, has led to dread, has led to division. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same way for the enemy in the believer's lives today. Think about uh, the things the enemy is shouting, like that mockingbird at my door. It's like the, 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 the enemy gets louder. He begins to use insults. He begins to cause you to not just doubt the Word of God, to, to fear, to dread what he could possibly do. Uh, so you've lost the Word of God and, and faith, and now you're fearing what is going to happen. And it gets bigger. It's like that little bitty dog that has a big bark. And I think about what Peter says. He's like, the, the devil, be on your alert, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's on the prowl seeking someone to devour. And it's like that terror. And the Bible says, uh, don't even be afraid of the terror by night. And that's, that's this guy. This, that's what the enemy, the strategy here was, let me shout on the wall so that before I've ever even done anything, I've already won the battle in their right. mind. And isn't that just like the enemy today? It's like, he didn't even have to do anything, but he wants to win the battle in your mind first, because if he does, he's already got your heart, right? But uh, what'd you think? I think I think that, yes, I think, you know, as for us today, and how, how, do, we, how do we combat the, the enemy whenever he's knocking at our door, when he's getting louder and louder? Maybe it starts <clears throat> off as that little seed of doubt. It's not right. very loud. He's just saying, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And as you, as you say, you know what, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep doing better. It gets louder and louder and louder and louder. But we've got to have this mindset of no matter what, the enemy is, no matter how loud the enemy gets, right. I'm going to be louder. That's right. I'm going to be louder. I think of that song that, uh, that I raised the hallelujah, that right. song we sang. In the presence of my enemy. In the yeah. presence of my enemies, right. I'm going to sing louder and louder. Right. You're going to hear my praises roar. Yeah. I think of that song and I think of, you know, in that says it's going to, I'm going to sing louder than the unbelief. Yeah. I'm going to sing louder and louder and louder. And for us, that's right. what we have to do. We have to have that mindset of no matter how loud the enemy gets, right. I'm going to be louder. That's right. And I think, about, and, and how do I, how do I make God bigger? As we look at this, it's that for me in my life, one of the things that radically changed my life was a prayer life. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I grew up in church. I got saved at a young age. I even got filled with the Holy Spirit as a teenager in high school. But when I went to college, a pastor told me, uh, and it changed my life forever, said something supernatural will happen when you pray an hour a day. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus told his disciples, can't you even tarry one hour right. with me? And so we know that Jesus had this prayer life, this communion with God. And I think if we don't have this connection with God, where I see God high and lifted up, like Isaiah, he said, the train of Israel filled the temple. Like he says, woe is me. I see God where he is high and exalted. And we see God in prayer and communion with him in the word and in prayer. We see God, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. He's God, you know, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning. And there's no God like our God. But if we're not doing that, that enemy, that roar of that lion, man, it is. It's gonna, he's on the wall of our house, of our heart. He's terrorizing. He's lying. He's making you doubt. Maybe me and my spouse can't make it. Maybe this, this church can't see. I don't see deliverance happening in my life through this ministry. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, that these things are going to work with depression. I've tried these verses, and it's not happening. And so the question for you and for, for us today is, do we fear or do we have faith in who Jesus says. Before we said, uh, do we doubt or we depend on what Jesus can do? But now the enemy comes and he says, do you have faith or do you have fear in who he is? He says, who is your God like these other gods? We've destroyed these other gods. Who do you think your God is? And that's the question for us today. Do we have faith or do we have fear? You know, even in the virus that we're the pandemic that we have today, and we're all home, we're all quarantined, that fear mm-hmm. is so rampant. Yes. And it's, do we have fear or do we have faith? All right, so let's talk about deliverance. <clears throat> so, uh, and I'll just paraphrase this because it goes into chapter 19 <clears throat> and we'll bring it all together. So Hezekiah hears the threats, he tears his clothes, he goes to the temple in sackcloth, <clears throat> and he goes to Isaiah, the prophet, who is kind of a symbol of Jesus Christ, right? And he says, I need a word from God. Would you pray for us? And so Isaiah, being the good prophet he does, he does it. And if you look there in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 6, he says, the main thing, he says, do not be afraid. Which reminds me of what Jesus says to his disciples so many times. You know, why are you afraid, oh little children? Or why do you fear? Or even he goes and says, why do you doubt? Always, Jesus is asking these questions. Don't fear, don't be afraid, don't doubt. So he hears this word from Isaiah, and immediately, just like the enemy, uh, a mailman shows up at the door. He says, I've got another letter from you. You just came out of the the word. You just connected with God. Now here's another letter. The king of Assyria, he says to you now, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Assyria, you've heard what we've done to every other country with their gods, and where do you think they are today? And that's just like the enemy. Man, you go to God, you get a good word, you're in your Bible, you pray, you go to church, and you think you're going to be okay. God heard me. He says, don't fear. God got a good word, Pastor. Mm -hmm. And man, boom, Monday morning, there's the enemy. And now it's moved from don't trust Hezekiah to don't even let your God, don't don't even think your God can do anything. Don't don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you. So he's just, man, Hezekiah is just flat on his feet. And so he goes to the altar. He lays this letter out before God. And he says this awesome prayer in 2 Kings 19 and, and verse 15 through 19. And I'll just summarize it. It says, You are God. You alone over all the kingdoms of the earth. Hear these words. They've devastated nations, cast their gods of wood and stone in the fire. I pray, deliver us, he says. And he goes on, he says, You alone, O Lord, are God. He notices there, and his faith comes back to that crossroads. He says, I know that maybe they've destroyed gods of wood and clay, but you, O oh God, you alone are God. Now think about the, the, the prayer that Jesus instructs his disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. It starts with, uh, Our Father who is in heaven, holy, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom. Yes. So he establishes who is king, and not my will, but your will. So like Hezekiah, he humbles himself. And even Jesus goes on and says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's what Hezekiah is praying here. 
And God, seeing his humble heart, seeing that he's put God as king, he says this through uh, Isaiah. He says, they're not even going to shoot one arrow in verse 34. He says, for I myself will defend this city to save it for my own sake. That it now because it's been the battle has been given to the Lord. It's for the Lord's name. It's for the Lord's glory. It's not about Hezekiah, not about the kingdom, not about the people. It's that now this is between God and the devil, God and the, uh, the Assyrians, right? And so victory comes that night. An angel of the Lord comes, kills 185,000 guys in one swoop, probably a plague or some sort. And they get up, the Syrian army gets up in the morning. They see everybody's just all these bodies over the place. So they pack up, they leave, they go back to Nineveh. And within a, two decades, I think, that the king is killed by one of his own, fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. And so I think about that. There are times in our life where you can't pay off the enemy. It's destruction and depression and doubt and division and dread has come. And there's nothing you can do to get out of that, that pickle that you're right. in. There's nothing you can do when your back's going to the wall. Hezekiah tried to pay him off and the enemy lied and came anyway. He's, he's uh, casting fear over the whole country. But when he humbled himself, and when he said, God, I can't fight this battle. It's not mine to fight. Lord, it's about your name. It's going to be about your glory. God, if you win, you get all the glory. You get all the fame. It's all about you. And the thought I get out of that is that God defends wherever he's king. And how do we apply that to our life today? I don't think there's a whole lot more to be said, really, because exactly... Um, what Hezekiah found when he humbled himself, that's right. exactly what we have to do. Yeah. There's not a whole lot more. It's plain and simple. Hezekiah yeah. humbled himself to say, I can't do this. Right. I'm not the king. Yeah. I, I am the physical king, but I need to realize who the, the spiritual yeah. and the physical king is over every single right. thing that I have. For us, it's the same way. For us, we need to realize that that God has got to become the king over our family, over our finances, over our marriage, over every single area and aspect of our life. We've got to humble ourselves to say, I'm not good enough, right. because we're not, right. and say, God, I am going to take everything up until this point to really, to really surrender to you right. my entire life. Right. Everything, not not just not just here or there. I'm not going to make compromises anymore because right. we know and understand it got him that in a pickle. Yeah. it got him in a pickle. When you make compromises with the yeah. enemy, you, it's it's going to mm. end up inevitably worse than it was before. Right. Really, so we can't compromise with the enemy, and we've got to allow God to be king over yeah. every single area of our life. And He gets the glory, and mm. I think that's the key for Hezekiah in this moment: is that you alone are God. And, and it's got to be about Him. And if we try to, we, sometimes we barter with God. God, if you get me out of this, then I'll do something for you. Or, right. or we're praying prayers that really are selfish prayers. God, I pray for this promotion because it's going to make you look good. Mm -hmm. Or God, I pray for that marriage because she's good looking or he's good looking and it's going to make me feel good. Right. Like it, it becomes really more about our glory. But here, Hezekiah, God, I can't, I can't break this addiction. But you can. God, I can't fix my marriage, but you can. God, I can't do this, get out of this depression, right. but you can. But God, I know this is, it's about your name. Right. Because the enemy is saying, God, you can't beat depression. The enemy is saying, God, you can't beat addiction. The enemy is saying, God, you can't heal marriages. The enemy right. is saying, God, and so we put it back on 
His name mm -hmm. and His glory and saying, God, I know you are a God who breaks addiction. God, I know you are a God who heals marriages. God, I know you're a God who delivers anxiety and depression. God, I know you're a God who, who handles that fear and shuts mm -hmm. the roar of the lion's mouth. And uh, uh, where are we at in that? So in, in our life, are we under the kingship, like you said, because God defends wherever he's king. Right. And so uh, if we're talking today and we want to summarize this up, if there's things in your life where the enemy is mocking and he's outside your window every day you wake up, man, he's there. Lies of the enemy. He's trying to make bargains with you. He's wanting you to pay him off and he's going to lie then. And he wants you to make that plea deal where he wants to still have ownership of you and still uh, you'd be a slave to him and he'd act like you're free and you'd feel free in some areas, but you'd realize you're just not free still. That God is a God who offers victory through Jesus Christ. There's no greater thing that we face in our life than when we face death. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that thanks be to God who gives us our victory through Jesus Christ, whether it's disease, whether it's death, whether it's destruction, victory is in Jesus Christ. Do we doubt or do we, do we depend on what Jesus can do? Do we have fear or do we have faith in who Jesus is? Because God defends wherever he is king. And so we pray for you today. And like uh, the author of Hebrews says, and I'll challenge you with this verse in chapter 4, verse 16, says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. That's what Hezekiah did. He laid his life on the altar of prayer and had a revelation of who God is. We challenge you today to put prayer back in your home. Make prayer be the foundation of your life and see God do some mighty things. We pray for you today. Take a moment, pray over this, reflect on this word, and ask God to do some mighty things in your life. Hey, thanks for listening uh, to Sanctuary this morning. Hey, we encourage you. Maybe today you don't have a right relationship with Jesus Christ and you'd like to. The Bible says that Jesus came preaching, repent and believe in the good news of God's kingdom. That is that God so loved the world, he sent his son to seek and save that which is lost. And maybe today you need someone to help you with that and pray. But it's simply a simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Save me. If you'd like someone to pray with you, you can join in at SanctuaryFWC.com and click on the link that says you want to know more about Jesus Christ. And we'd love to pray with you through that. Or maybe today you're a believer who needs to get things right with God. And you know God, but it, things maybe just where, aren't where they're supposed to be. The Apostle John says that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin, forgive us of unrighteousness, and he will make intercession for you. That's how good he is. And so simply make things right with Jesus today. And maybe today, family, you're at home. We encourage you to be the church. Have home church. That means getting up together and worshiping with your children or your significant others. It means praying together, even if it's not comfortable, to join together as being the church and each week have a devotional life that is drawing you deeper into the presence of God. And if you've been blessed by the ministry of Sanctuary, lastly, we encourage you, hey, help us keep the mission of God alive by giving online, through the mail, or through text to give. We love you. We pray God's blessing upon your life, and we'll be here next week.